Happy Mother's Day to all of the moms out there. And for everyone else, I hope you've gotten your mom a special little something, maybe some flowers or one of those cards that says World's Best Mom on it. And speaking of those cards, me being the killjoy that I am, I've always been bothered by those cards. Even as a child, I was like, but not every mom can be the best mom ever, because that just doesn't make any sense. And this year in particular, as I'm seeing these world's best mom cards being put out, I couldn't help but begin wondering to myself, what is it that makes a good mom? And especially, like, what makes a good mom different from a bad mom? Uh, because it has to relate to people as well. You know, moms are people, and so whatever would make a mom the world's best mom would also have to make people better people. And I was kind of wondering about this, and like I usually do when I have a question, I look for the answer in Scripture. And I thought of this passage in 1 Kings chapter 3 that we're going to be reading today. And it's about two moms, one who is clearly a good mom and another one who is not a good mom. And we're just going to be reading through this and looking at what is it that makes the good mom a good mom and what makes the bad mom a bad mom. And this passage of scripture is right after David's son Solomon has been given wisdom by God. God tells him he could have anything he asks for. Solomon asks for wisdom. And then we get this passage that begins in verse 16 of 1 Kings chapter 3. It says, Now two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. One of them said, Pardon me, my lord. This woman and I live in the same house, and I had a baby while she was there with me. The third day after my child was born, this woman also had a baby. We were alone. There was no one in the house but the two of us. During the night, this woman's son died because she lay on him. So she got up in the middle of the night and took my son from my side while I, your servant, was asleep. She put him by her breast and put her dead son by my breast. The next morning, I got up to nurse my son, and he was dead. But when I looked at him closely in the morning light, I saw that it wasn't the son I had born. The other woman said, No, the living one is my son, the dead one is yours. But the first one insisted, No, the dead one is yours, the living one is mine. And so they argued before the king. The king said, This one says, My son is alive, and your son is dead, while that one says, No, your son is dead, and mine is alive. Then the king said, Bring me a sword. So they brought a sword for the king. He then gave an order. Cut the living child in two, and give half to one and half to the other. The woman whose son was alive was deeply moved out of love for her son, and said to the king, Please, my lord, give her the living baby, don't kill him. But the other said, Neither I nor you shall have him, cut him in two. Then the king gave this ruling, Give the living baby to the first woman. Do not kill him, she is his mother. When all Israel heard the verdict the king had given, they held the king in awe because they saw that he had wisdom from God to administer justice. 
So in this story, we can clearly see one woman who's being a good mom and another one who is not. But let's talk a little bit about what is it that makes one good and one bad and what we can learn, regardless of whether or not we're mothers, from the example of these women. So first of all, you've got the mother who killed her own son by laying on him. But it wasn't just that that made her a bad mother. What really makes this woman so evil is that she then, after she loses her son, she attacks the other mother by replacing the two babies. So not only is she irresponsible with what she has been given, but she then becomes jealous that this other woman that she lives with now has something that she no longer has and does everything she can to ruin what that mother has. Even when the king is ready to cut the baby in two, she's fine with that as long as that other woman can't have her baby anymore. So what's taking place here is not only is she wanting to get back what she lost, but she is also wanting to take what she has lost away from this other woman. And the underlying issue that is taking place here is this selfish desire that the woman has to protect herself. Because a child, especially in this culture to a single mother, would provide a level of status and security. Because as a single mother, as a prostitute, this woman had no social standing no financial security, and if she is able to have a son, that son will be able to provide for her in a way that she would never be able to in this current society. And so when she loses that, not only is she losing her child, but she's losing her protection and her security, which adds a lot more weight to it and a lot more weight then to the attack that she makes against this other uh, this other woman to try to take that away from her as well. And it's that selfish desire to protect herself that is so revealing of the sinful nature. Because sin is always found in selfish desires, including this selfish desire to protect only yourself at the cost of someone else. And that's exactly what this mother is doing. She's saying, all I care about is what is good for me and how I can protect myself. And you might wonder, well, well, how does attacking this other woman help provide security for herself? Well, to explain that, let's use the old example of how to outrun a tiger. If you're being chased by a tiger, you don't have to run faster than the tiger you just have to run faster than the slowest person in the group that you are in that is being chased by the tiger, right? Because as soon as that tiger gets one person, he's not going to chase anymore. And that's an analogy that is kind of humorous in that context, but also very sad and devastating when we apply that same principle to other areas of our life where we think to ourselves, I don't have to be successful. I don't have to be liked. 
as long as I can prevent others from also being liked and also being successful. And as long as I'm not the worst person in the room, I'll be safe. And so often, that's what we do with people, where we're willing to sacrifice them to the tiger, just cut their legs off and let them take the fall, so long as we are safe. Because all we care about is making ourselves look better and protecting ourselves. And that's exactly what this woman was doing. She lost that child. She lost that security. And because of that, she feels vulnerable. And so in order to help herself feel protected, she is willing to allow the king to cut this baby in half so that this woman is now no longer more secure than she is. And this is a drastic example, but how often do we do that in our lives where we try to undercut other people to make ourselves look better? And not only is that make somebody a bad mother, it makes anyone a bad person. And we should never attack others to make ourselves feel better. So it's easy then to spot how this woman is a bad mother. But now let's talk about how the other woman is a good mother. And although this is more clearly seen towards the end of the story, we can even begin to see the good characteristics that this woman has at the beginning of the story. Because when this other woman steals her child and makes the swap between the living baby and the dead baby, she doesn't just take it. She doesn't just roll over and roll with the punches and, well, this is just, you know, this is just what my life is going to be now. No, she recognizes that an injustice has been done. And she brings it to the king so that the situation can be resolved. She recognizes that what is happening is a problem. And she takes the initiative to bring that problem through the process best suited to solve it. She doesn't even just sit and argue with the woman day in and day out. She brings it to the person who is going to be able to solve it. And then, when the baby is about to be cut in two, we see even more strongly the characteristic here that makes for a good mother, which is that she is willing to let the other woman have her son as long as that son is protected. She is willing to give up. And I, I just talked about how important that child was to her, not just as her own flesh and blood, her own son, her child, but also in the security that that would bring to her. And yet she is willing to give up that security, give up the child that she loves more than anyone else, if, it, if that is what is required in order to protect him. And so here we see the contrast between the sin of the, the first mother we talked about and the righteousness of this mother in her desire to protect 
others, even at the cost of herself. And righteousness is always found there in that desire to protect others. And in order to protect others, it's not something that's easy for us to do. Because in order to protect someone or something, first of all, you have to be t protecting them from something that is unpleasant or even dangerous that is coming against them. Because if nothing's attacking someone, well, there's no need to protect them because they're not being attacked by anything. But when they are attacked, the way that we protect them is by taking that hit for them. If you think of any type of body armor throughout the history of the world, whether that be like a bulletproof vest or maybe a knight in shining steel armor, whatever type of armor that is, the way that it protects the wearer is by taking the hit that is intended for that wearer. And it becomes an obstacle blocking the way between that person that's being protected and that threat. And so if that armor is doing its job, it's going to be taking all of those hits itself. Which really puts that armor in a quite unpleasant situation. A very uncomfortable place. Because that armor knows that it's going to be hit. It has to take that hit in order to protect that target. So anytime we protect someone, again, we're protecting them from something, whether unpleasant or dangerous, and we are placing ourselves as an obstacle between that threat and the person we're protecting. And that place is never a comfortable place. It's always something that we have to go outside of our comfort zone in order to be there. It's impossible to be in our comfort zone and in a place where we're protecting others. And it's truly impossible to protect others if we are then prioritizing our own comfort. That's exactly what this first woman was doing, where she was prioritizing her comfort, her security, and because of that, she was willing to attack this other woman in order to make herself feel better by cutting this other person down. And yet the mother whose child was still alive was willing to give up what she had what she had been given, willing to give that up if that's what was required in order to protect this child. And that is what makes a good mother and a good person. Someone that is willing to step into something that is uncomfortable for the sake of other people. And this idea of this woman giving up her son so that he could be protected mirrors so very well how God did the exact same thing 
where he was willing to give up his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross in order to protect his children. You see, God, just like this good mother, was willing to put himself through something excruciatingly painful in order to protect the people that he loved, which is all people across all the world. And as an extension of God's love for us, he gives us mothers who do the exact same thing. These righteous mothers that really teach this godly characteristic of sacrificial giving through their life's example. As they raise children, raise us, and pour their lives into us, being willing to put themselves through all kinds of uncomfortable situations, cleaning up diapers, making food, and then having that food thrown across the room, or thrown up onto their new shirt. Those are not comfortable things. They're not pleasant experiences, but they go through them in order to take care of us. And they do all of that knowing that a day is going to come when we're going to walk out that door. And no matter how much they give us, they know that a day will come that they're going to have to give what they love the most, which is us, out into the world. And then, if we have truly learned from their example, after having received all that they've given to us, we go back and we give back to them in return. And that's how we honor our mothers, by recognizing all that they've given to us and giving back to them. And that's also the same way that we honor the gift that God has given to us, by going out and giving that gift, and gifts of ourselves to other people as well, even being willing to put ourselves in uncomfortable circumstances for the sakes of others. And so if we truly want to honor both God and our mothers, we do that by using our lives to give as they have given to us. And so I want to leave us with this last question to ponder, which is what have you been given to give to others? We have all been given so much. So let's use what we've been given to give back to other people, and especially to give back to our mothers this day. This has been today's Sermon in the Pocket. As always, if you have any comments or questions for me, I'd love to hear from you. You can either reach out on the Sermon in the Pocket Facebook page or email me at sermoninthepocket at gmail.com. And as always, I encourage you to share this with other people to help get the message out there. But until next time, I pray that God will bless you as you go throughout your day. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Thank you.